This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, the Falcon wants to be the Hulk. The Rangers are on the move, and the faithful Spoilerites have to pick a side in the galactic civil conflict. Plus, Archies and Holograms and Zombies. Oh, my. Is that show played out? I don't know. But you, my friends, get to ask us questions like that, and we will answer them. You make the rules. We break them. You get down the fiddle. I'll get down the bow. We'll all dance the dance of nerdery till the morning's light, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 644 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. Hey, look, everybody. Rodrigo's back. Hey, guys. Hey, Rodrigo. What's going on with you? Oh, not much. I kind of had a big move. You had a big move? Yeah. So tell us all about this big move if you you care to. Oh, sure. Uh, Basically, I moved to Washington State. Dun, dun, dun. So that's I, another state entirely. It is that's like state. that's like more than a state over. Yeah, no, that's it's like I, actually it's seven states over because wow. I drove through them. Well, <laughs> that's a six whole technically. That's like right next to the big water place. Yeah, yeah. People are like, "How do you like the West Coast?" And I'm like, "I haven't seen it yet. I'm actually on like I, I haven't actually made it to the uh, <laughs> to the main ocean to the ocean." Yeah, yeah. Cool. I hear they're wide. Them oceans. Well, good. And we're glad you're doing well over there. We're glad you you made it. And uh, Rodrigo still continues to be on the show. Correct. Ashley Victoria Robinson. I don't know where she's at this week. She emailed me this morning and said, hey, man, I will be there tonight and on all the future major spoilers podcasts. But uh, she did also mention that her uh, job was starting to pile up for the busy season. And I know that she's doing that superhero movie thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So she may have been hung up with that. So eh, I don't know where she's at this week. If she shows up during the show, we will certainly add her in. But right now. She's MIA, but we wish her well. Although I, she did, she did appear on a geek and sundry show this week. Uh, what is it called? The pull list. Yeah. I guess it was last week where they sat I down and, and talked with her. So uh, you can go check that out over the geek and sundry YouTube channel. And uh, she's doing really well with that stuff. So uh, the last week, Rodrigo, uh, mm-hmm. Matthew and I were talking about some of the fall TV shows. I talked about Gotham a little bit, uh, then on, um, and we talked Doctor Who, and then on Finally Friday, I talked a little bit about the Muppets. Uh, but have you guys seen Heroes Reborn? No. No, I didn't get a chance to. I oh. I unpacked my TV like yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you're not missing much. It's the X-Men. Oh, well, I've read the X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Only this time, the uh, the X-Men, the heroes, are being hunted because they're so, different. So the X Men, yeah, 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 basically, it's interesting. I'm glad it's a. I'm glad it's a, a short run series, like only 13 episodes, because I think they'll be able to 
make a more coherent storyline than what they did in the last couple of seasons. But we've right. got some uh, familiar faces returning. We've got uh, uh, some new faces popping up and and more Evos, as they're being called, because they're the evolved. Oh. Are here to save Rachel us all. Ray calls olive oil. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> <So> Evo. <laughs> How Matthew knows that, saying. I don't know, but uh, there's a whole bunch of new TV shows. In fact, uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on as we are recording this episode. Ooh. I did get a chance to watch most of the second episode of Gotham. And man, there's a weird aesthetic going on uh, in that episode. I don't know if they have a new director or what, but. There are parts of it that feel like they're trying to capture the spirit of the Tim Burton Batman in some of the shots and angles that they're choosing. Like where? ultra, like there's a, uh, a shot in the police morgue where they're looking over a body that's been killed and they're using like this ultra wide angle lens. So it's like the room kind of curves up and angles in instead of, you know, being straight parallel lines and everything. Is very, very weird. And then there's this whole thing that takes place at the beginning of the episode inside of a the Gotham Gazette. And it's just some, I don't want to say overacting because there's a lot of that in the show already. But it's this <laughs> weird, almost like musical number. You know, like if you're watching a Broadway play, how people kind of over overact their performance in, in their moves. They're projecting to the audience in the theater. Yes, but through movement, not through, not through voice. Uh, we are amplifying. But they, they do that. They did that in this show too. So there's some really weird bits in there. The guy that is supposedly playing future Joker, I think, is doing a very good job. Joker. Um, yeah. So it's it may be worth checking out for a couple more episodes to see if it can hold my interest. Now I, I did make it through all of Gotham last season, but I took about a eight week break in between the mid uh, mid season and the and catching up to the end of the season. Um, but. I don't know. There's something about that show that still kind of holds on a little bit. So if you get a chance, Rodrigo, you might want to check it out. I do believe it's free right. on Hulu. Yeah, free. free I might, on the Hulu I might get back into it. Honestly, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, they were. It, I, it seemed like they were doing everything right, and it just kind of. I just kind of got a little tired of it. Mm-hmm. But you know, if if the aesthetic is changing, if things are changing, I might jump back in to see how it's doing. Okay. Oh, speaking of uh, mutants. Did you guys see this? I don't know. It's not really it's not really um, comic booky related, but I do a lot of 3D printing stuff. And there's a word that came out this last week that uh, some uh, surgeons 3D printed a titanium rib for uh, ribs for this cancer patient, because I guess you can't just do regular prosthetics because it's a tricky place to put uh, right. bones and stuff in. And so they 3D printed a titanium ribs and inserted it into this guy and he's doing fine. Well, that's cool. That sounds pretty cool, and it makes me wonder, how far away are we from having adamantium skeletons and wolverine-type stuff walking around? Given that adamantium is a fictional metal, probably pretty Oh, please. This show about comic books and pop culture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to get superpowers. I mean... Well, at what point point could we replace the entire, you know, I I guess you'd have to have some kind of a supplement or other for the uh, marrow and everything... But when do we replace our entire body with, like, 3D-printed titanium bones? Why is it that somebody is like, hey, we totally improved this person's life, and Stephen is like, how can I use it to take <laughs> over the world? I didn't say anything about taking over the world. I think that's – there's always what you meant. There's always that, um, that idea, right? Every time there's a big um, 
breakthrough and things like that, it's like how long until that becomes the norm? And the answer, I think, is generally forever because, you know, I mean, even though we've had, you know, transplants and replacements and things mm-hmm. like that, nobody goes, well, I think I could use a slightly better kidney. So I'm going to put myself through the many dangers <laughs> yeah, of going yeah. through an operation, <laughs> even though I, my kidney's okay. I just want a younger one. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, like we're not there yet. Either. Not quite. Ashley Victoria Robinson has joined the show. Hello, Ashley. Hello. How Hi, are guys. you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, I, we were ta- just talking about uh, 3D printed titanium ribs. <laughs> and how far away are we from turning someone into Wolverine? Uh, well, <sighs> how good are our healing factors is the real question. Oh, yeah, there you go. All right. I just found I just found that interesting. I know some people may not, but I just found this idea of 3D printing our body parts very fascinating. They're getting to the point now where we're and I think I saw somebody on because I sub on um, on my tweet deck. I follow the hashtag 3D print and hashtag 3D printing. And today someone was showing off a 3D printed heart and he looked like a doctor dude. And then I know that they were 3D printing a kidney the other day. I've seen, so. um, I've seen some arms that people have 3D printed as well. For yes. Prosthetic yeah. use. Those are really cool. And those are freely available too. You can go up the Thingiverse and print off these uh, prosthetic hands and, and donate them to an organization that then uh, gets them to people that need them. So it's very, very cool. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, so Ashley, what, what's, this, what's this thing about Anthony Mackie wants to play the Hulk? So at Salt Lake City Comic Con uh, this past weekend, which claims to be the largest attended Comic Con in the world, much to San Diego's discontent, yes, um, he did a, a really, really interesting interview, and he did a lot of um, defending of Chris Evans as being probably the only Captain America. Mm. And uh, someone asked him if you could switch or take on any other role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who you would want to be. I'm assuming that that question is inspired by the recent. Well, they're not recent, but the, the recently announced shakeups that are coming post Civil War with mm-hmm. uh, you know characters like Amadeus Cho was going to become the right. Hulk, right. and he said that he would switch with Mark Ruffalo and take on the role of the Hulk in a second because that's the character that he loved growing up. Oh, interesting! And he also said that he thought um, he could get more ladies as the Hulk, which <laughs> was something I was a little bit confused by. I would think he would as Falcon, though. Right? It's the name. It's the, the name recognition. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So let me ask you guys this. What if, what if we've seen this already with Captain America, how Captain's to, Captain America's uh, super serum stuff started to wash out. And so Sam Wilson becomes Sam Wilson, Captain America, Falcon. We, as Ashley just said, Amadeus chose the new Hulk, totally awesome Hulk or whatever his name is. Right. Totally radical 90s. Hey, pizza man. Um, this but what if Hulk. pizza skateboard Hulk? But what if in the cinematic universe something happened where he became the new Hulk? Do you think audiences would react positively or negatively to that? Uh, I think that the movie audiences would probably be more open to it because there aren't there there isn't the this is the way it has always been handed down from the nerds of ancient times. So. I mean, if you look at the changes they've already made in the Marvel Universe, the adjustments and the time frame sliding around and the, oh, right, Ant-Man was totally around in the 60s, so Hank Pym is like 84 years old now. And it's perfectly fine with the audiences because, frankly, they don't know how the continuity in the comics is anyway. Well, the majority of people. 
and it works within the stories they're telling. So I think that as long as they do it at the same level of quality with that same level of, you know, expectation of here's the reason why the story's doing it, I think it worked fine. Ashley, what do you think? I don't know, because I'm more inclined to think that your comic book audiences will gripe louder about it, but ultimately be more accepting because we've seen stuff like that happen for so long. And Marvel's going to do it in a big, bad way right now. You know, but I don't know if um, my mom would understand why someone else suddenly needs to be the Hulk when we already have a perfectly good person in, in any mantle. <laughs> but I'm, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, granted, the previous Hulk... Uh has gone through some different actors playing him. No, for real. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a little bit more jarring, though, when they, you change actors yeah, yeah. Of, of different ethnicities. <laughs> right, right. But I just think it would be interesting if they could somehow weave it into the storyline. I mean, Mark Ruffalo, as far as I know, is all about continuing to play the Hulk as long as they'll have him. But if they had to figure out some in-universe way, in-Marvel Cinematic Universe way of changing and creating a new Hulk, and he was willing to do it, I don't. Uh, I think they could do it and make it rather interesting. Rodrigo? I'm down for it. Uh, I, you know, there's a president in with in the comics of you know anyone and anywhere from one to two hundred and thirty seven people at any given time having the Hulk's powers. <laughs> so I don't. Obviously, the nerds wouldn't. I don't think they'd fight it too much. Um, it you just have to write it in a way that the audience uh was okay with it and honestly again like if you think about oh i don't know a movie starring a talking tree and a talking raccoon being one of the most <laughs> successful movies of recent years i think if you have clever enough writing you can do it nowadays there's you know the sky's the limit cool you'd be okay with it though ah uh, yeah sure okay awesome uh, Matthew, here's a story just for you. Ooh. Uh, we already knew from uh, San Diego Comic-Con last year that uh, Boom Studios is bringing Power Rangers, uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, into a series. And I'm right. going to guess it's a six or seven issue limited series. I don't know if it's going to be ongoing yet. Well, they showed us seven covers, so yes. hopefully well, that's I wonder not if, seven if the white alternates one is, for the same issue. It, well, it you know, it, it could very well be the seven alternates for the first cover, or it's a six-issue mini with the White Ranger being the chase variant. Uh, I don't like it. In any case, uh, they haven't announced the exact release date for this uh, series to kick off. My guess it's going to be February, maybe, if it comes out in, in early 2016. But they did announce that Kyle Higgins from uh, Batman Eternal and Nightwing uh, fame will be writing that series. And it looks like, he's a, looks like he's a fan of the Green Ranger. He did a good job with... Uh teaching Eliza how to be posh. So I think that Kyle Higgins will be fine. Um, Different Higgins. I'm, I'm sort of psyched, but also afraid. Why is that? Well, have you ever? All right. So there are times when people will do an adaptation of something right. based on the expectation mm -hmm. that this is cheesy and lame. So we need to make sure and lampshade that by mm. making the story we're telling as cheesy and lame as possible. I'm not saying they're doing that. I have faith in Boom. Boom has done some good stuff before. Mm -hmm. Now, did but you I read think that? Did Power you read Rangers the? Has uh, a rep. Did you read the Papercut series? I know we talked about it before. Did you? And I know that I had sent you I'm one not, of their trades that they sent or their graphic novels. I'm not novels. saying that that's specifically what I'm referring. Oh, to. Oh, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> well, and maybe that's why they're not doing it anymore. That's maybe, entirely maybe, possible. Uh, well, and 
maybe Saban. Saban, Saban is upset. big about keeping his uh, licenses in circulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I think the yeah. well, who was the, I guess it was Dynamite that was doing the um, Battle of the Planets, right? And they also that did Voltron. If I'm not, who did Voltron? Was that Battle? Was that Voltron uh, Boom? is still coming out? I think from either Dynamite or Boom. Yeah, Dynamite. There was Dynamite Entertainment. Recent... Yeah, Dynamite Entertainment did Voltron and Robotech, or yeah, the upcoming Robotech Voltron. Voltron. Um, I don't think that this is. I think this is actually uh, somewhat of a good move by Boom, because they're hitting in a Power Rangers set that a lot of people are familiar with, especially our age of comic book fans are super familiar with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with uh, uh, from that first series. Mm-hmm. I, and, of course, with the attraction of ongoing Power Rangers stuff that's still available for American audiences, young kids, mm-hmm. I think this is actually a good place for them to, to jump on board. Mm, well, it ha- I mean, we're 22 years out from Mighty Morphin, but I mm-hmm. think that, yeah, most people do... When they think Mighty Morphin or when they think Power Rangers, they think the diamond suits and the Z-Ranger right. helmets. Right. And, you know, that's fine. Um, I think that what I would love to see and what I hope to see is additional series. Hope, you know, presuming this hits and sells, additional series looking at, you know, other Power Ranger teams. Because there's like another 20 teams. And, of oh, course, yeah. there's the, the current schmucks. Um, who are dinosaur rangers again? Oh, are I mean, they? You okay. Could do, you could do big, massive crossover. Yeah, the latest season is Dino Charge. Ah, okay. Which right. is either six or seven rangers. Last one now. I saw was the Motorcycle Gang. The Motorcycle Gang. Yeah, yeah. Turbo Charge, Power Rangers Turbo. Was that what it was? Turbo? That yeah. was 1997, dude. Yeah. Yep. I think that okay. was the last one I saw. <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> for you, hasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Ashley, what do you think about this? Are you are you at all interested in Power Rangers stuff? Were you a Power Rangers fan growing up? Um, I watched the first series aired when I was four. Yeah, so so. I, I was really into it then. It's not something that stuck with me. But I think that this is a way that you can tell those stories without having to worry about, I think, some of the... Japanese cultural things like trying to translate those for an American audience. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting and I think it'll sell. So I think it's a great move. Cool. And Rodrigo. It is interesting uh, specifically that that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is two thirds of like two thirds of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is like an eighth of another franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that causes some weird tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting to see it. And I think, you know, going into it as a Power Rangers fan, you have to you have to expect that they're not going to make any overt shout outs to any of the other types of Rangers. Mighty Morphin Power not. Rangers is kind of its own thing. It would have been interesting to have one company like Boom have the Voltron, Battle of the Planets, Robotech, and Power Rangers franchise, and then do like what IDW has done with like that whole, uh, uh, I forget what their whole crazy crossover they had a couple of years ago where it was like Ghostbusters and Transformers and G.I. Joe were all teaming up together. Oh, yeah, that's what it was, the zombie. Yeah, yeah, Infestation. It'd be interesting to see them do that again with like intergalactic teen heroes. Turtles, and uh, Transformers. And there was something else too. Danger Girl. I think they did their whole line. Wow. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, it was pretty so. crazy. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see whack. something like that with teenage superheroes from outer space kind of thing. 
They're not actually from outer space. I know they're not from outer space. It's a team of teenagers with attitudes. Right. That's what we need on a half shell even. They're not. (sighs) So here's a thing that came up this weekend at the Baltimore Comic Con. And it's caused, I mean, I don't know if you, if listeners, if you follow uh, a lot of comic creators, but today that was all the talk. So the question of whether writers specifically should charge for their autographs at conventions. And it kind of started out with Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Palmer were basically, um, not Amanda Palmer, um, Amanda Connor, Connor, Connor. Uh, were signing and they just said, hey, if you're wanting to do uh, a, a graded comic, then we're going to charge you $5 for it. Otherwise, it's free. And Neil Adams came up and said, oh, you should be signing. You should be charging for your autographs. And if you don't, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing other people a disservice. And that started a huge uh, conversation between Scott Snyder, who was like, look, I don't charge for my um, – for my autograph on stuff. Some people do, some people don't. And if you do, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. And, um, it just caused a huge, uh, really an argument about should writers charge for their signatures? Yes or no. Where do you guys stand on all this? It's, I don't know if you read the article, but bleeding cool had probably the best write up that I saw of the whole thing. I, it's, it's a really difficult, it's a thorny question. And it kind of hinges upon your appreciation of the artist. I mean, specifically, historically, comic artists and comic writers have been woefully underpaid for their services. They don't have any type of benefits, any type of, you know, continuing benefits. Marv Wolfman created 40% of the super famous Teen Titans that we see on TV. And Marv Wolfman literally gets virtually nothing for that. I mean, he came in and that was at the beginning of the royalties program, which will tell you people who are creating before 1977, mm-hmm. 78, 79 aren't really getting anything. So, And to be fair, Neil did a lot in the uh, late 70s, early 80s to get creators paid yeah. and getting them paid fairly and getting them oh, yeah. royalties and those kinds of things. So, you know, for, from that standpoint, he may have an interest in making sure that people are being taken care of and telling them it's okay if you want to charge for, for their signatures. Yeah, and I mean, Neil it, Neil is Neil, and Neil has opinions. But if you look at, say, one of the one of the uh, examples that was brought up was Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Liefeld signs for free with the exception of certain books. He right. apparently charges for a signature on a first cable or first, uh, first uh, New Mutants. Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. New mm-hmm. Mutants number 98, the first Deadpool. He'll sign that and charge because – when he signs that, that becomes a $70 book. Well, and, and that kind of does bring up something interesting, Ashley, is that, you know, a, a lot of times, and I've seen this happen. I, I remember one of the very first con- comic book conventions I went to, um, uh, Bill Willingham was there, mm-hmm. and he had a brand new, and I think it was maybe the first trade of Fables had just come out. And I was standing in line waiting to get his signature, and there was a guy in front of me who got his signature on like three books walked away didn't have to pay for the for the signature walked away walked two aisles over to his own booth where he then charged $100 for each one of those because it was brand new and it was fresh and it was his booth and he was trying to make a buck on it and it and when i see people in at shows saying hey i've got 100 books that i want you to s- sign there is probably a pretty good chance that a lot of people are putting these up on eBay to sell and so maybe it's okay for an a, a writer to say, hey, um, 
pay me for this because I know you're just going to turn around and sell it online or try to make a buck off my signature. Yeah, that's really tough because you don't want to be that jerk who's doing that to like, you know, some actual child who really, really likes you and and doesn't have $10 to give you. Um, but I don't like, I don't know. That's a tough, really tough judgment call. And most of the people that I've seen, they'll sign, but they ask you to make a donation to something like the hero initiative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That's one of those like free market things about comics and about the convention scene that right now, I think you just kind of have to let people do what they want because Funko doesn't take any issue with all of the vendors at San Diego buying up their stock and jacking up the price to $300. And that's the same kind of transaction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. That's so tough. It, it really is. And I, I don't know, Rodrigo, I just kind of, I kind of feel the same way that Ashley is, is just let it be free market. And, and the way many of the creators were saying, uh, even, um, um, Gail Simone today on Twitter was like, you know what? Someone like Neil Adams should charge for his signature because he's a legend. Someone like Marv Wolfman should charge because they're a legend. Someone like me, I don't feel like I'm a legend, so therefore I don't feel like I should be able to charge you. So if you want to charge, go for it, fine. And if people want to 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 pay for your signature, that's fine. And if you don't want to charge, then that's fine too. Well, and and and, and that in and of itself is fine. But the problem is. Now you've established something. Now you're saying that your Neil Adams is can charge, but your what did we just talk about? Your Cal Higgins. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done some stuff, but right. he's not necessarily a household name. He can't charge. He's not a legend. Right? It's like, well, if you're charging, then what are you saying? You know, kind of stuff. The the problem is that lack of a guideline, right? It's like I don't know if you are going to a con and buying something, then you're buying something. Right. Um, But if some people ask you for money and some people don't for the signatures, then you are creating a whole bunch of kind of unspoken rules. Mm -hmm. It's like about who can charge and who can't. Right. And those a lot of the time end up victimizing uh, smaller, less well-known people, while helping the more famous people, and I that think. kind of and that kind of got into, I think, a little bit of of one of the arguments or side arguments was that because Scott Snyder was just asking people to donate to the Hero Initiative, other people who were charging feel like he's undercutting them. You know, yeah. I, now I can't charge fifty dollars for my signature. Now I have to charge less because you're doing it for free or you're doing it for less than I am. Or you're doing it for charity. Or you're doing it for charity, yeah. I don't know. It's really weird because we're just right now talking about writers, but artists Mm -hmm. charge all the time for their sketches or for their signatures on stuff, and that seems to be okay. And again, depending on how good you are and your reputation, you can charge more than maybe other people. And if you go to something like a Wizard World convention where you've got William Shatner and uh, yeah. um, you know, Stan Lou Lee, Ferrigno yeah. and Stan Lee, and you're paying a hundred to two hundred dollars to get their signatures. Mm-hmm. It just it seems very weird. And uh, to me, I, I guess I never had really thought about paying someone for their signature. Personally, I guess with, with artists, though, it's more of a time thing. It is for if you're asking for a sketch, yeah. yes. Although I have seen some ridiculous prices from artists who I won't name for a five-second sketch. I've seen people asking for like $65, $100. I don't care who you are. <laughs> like, again, if you're trying to 
if the point is to go there and celebrate your work and get in touch with your fans, which maybe maybe for them it's just about making a buck, you're I think you're closing off to a lot of people by doing stuff like that sometimes. Well, and I think that's that's what the argument is coming down to is why are we here? Why are any of us here? Not uh, on Earth, I mean, at this convention. <laughs> Not this metaphysically. Hypo- yes, at this hypothetical convention. Um, if you are here to connect with the fans, then why charge for anything? If you are here to potentially make money, then you have to charge for everything. Right, Otherwise, right. you're not making the money mm-hmm. that you need to be here. You know, some of these artists couldn't be at the conventions if they weren't charging mm-hmm. for their sketches and their signatures. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, uh, the potential of basically. When this is decided, when the community as a whole says you should charge or you should not charge and how much or whatever, a bunch of things are going to happen. And one of those things is if they decide, if everybody says, no, you know what? It's super rude to charge people. They're your fans and they're coming to see you and smooch yeah. your face and whatever. Yeah. Then that means that some artists and some writers are not going to be able to go to certain conventions anymore. Because they're not going to have that revenue. Well, and if they want to, and again, as one of you mentioned, that writers and artists are woefully underpaid anyway, Mm -hmm. that going to a convention means that you're not doing other work. So asking for a signature and, you know, paying for that uh, could help supplement that income if they want to continue to be a comic book creator full time. Um, But sometimes I wonder if people are in it for just the money. Now, this is total rumor, but I heard at one point William Shatner was bringing in over $40,000 a weekend when he goes to do a signing. Oh, easy. And if you put him on stage, I, I, it's a lot more than that. Yeah. So there's, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Ashley, you, level. let's ask Ashley, you as a, uh, rising star, <laughs> uh, of stage and screen and comic books and podcasting and what else are you doing? <laughs> um, you go to a convention Let's say in five years, do you charge for your signatures or do you freely give them, give it away? Well, here's the thing. If you're an actor personality and you're there, especially if it's a convention that say might happen to be in Las Vegas and say might happen to focus on Star Trek, like mm-hmm. if it's very, a very specific, yeah, a lot of those people are being paid tens of thousands of dollars. If someone is going to pay me $10,000 to show up at a convention especially if it's in a cool city I've never been to before and sit around and have people tell me how awesome I am, I'll sign whatever they want. Okay. You know, and I'll, and I'll say sure. whatever they want. I'll sign it to eBay. I don't care. Right. Um, but that's what I'm saying right now when I'm not being invited and I'm not being offered $10,000. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it seems kind of weird because uh, we go to Nerdtacular each year in Salt Lake City and that is basically a big fan get together and those fans are paying lots of money to come stay at the resort to fly and travel all the way around the world to come here and we go and i just feel like it's fine for us to just go and and say hi to the fans and hang out with them as much as we can and talk with them and we don't ask them to charge for our signatures we'll happily sign stuff and i think that's just you should try and see what your profit margin yeah right i bet the profit (laughs) margin would be zero well Um, i mean that is interesting though because Usually, a lot of the time, the things that they have assigned are merchandise that we have direct control over. Right, right. right. 
as a, as an entity, which mm-hmm. is not necessarily true for these writers. These mm-hmm. writers are not, especially old comics, they're not necessarily getting paid per unit of reprint right, of right. You know, the Judas contract or whatever. But they but, should. Uh, sure, of course they should. But they're not. So, again, you're putting it in a different place, right? If somebody buys a major spoiler or a critical hit dice bag and then ha- brings you a felt marker to sign it, that's a dice bag that we got paid for. Right, so right, right. we can sign it and not feel bad about it, right? It's yeah. like there's we are getting some money out of it. Like the moment that there's like no money involved. Well, but that's the exact, but but that is the exact same thing about if someone buys a comic book and has you sign it. I mean, you, you were paid for that work. I suppose that's that's what, that's what like a lot of signings, which is not something they do at conventions. Mm -hmm. They either very heavily, you know, very heavy handed way. They encourage you to buy the something, usually whatever their latest thing is. Right. Um, or you have to, or you can't get anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's I just think there's also a level of self-promotion involved, too, because, I mean, clearly Neil, Neil Adams, is perfectly comfortable asking people to pay X amount for his money, the same with Shatner. I think that even, you know, people of those that same level of notoriety may not have that same expectation, because I believe, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that Leonard Nimoy did not charge the same amount that uh, you would pay for William Shatner's time and signature. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, there, that is true. <laughs> I know that there are creators of that same 60, 70 vintage as Neil who either don't charge because I've got signatures from two of them or don't charge as much. And it's right, a, you know, right. part of it is the fact that because it is such a weird industry, it's hard to say, you know, if I, for instance, bring fear number 19 to Steve Gerber which I did several years ago, and get a signature. First of all, Steve Gerber at the time was in the middle of a huge schmageggy and legal proceedings. But right. second of all, he may have gotten the equivalent of $85 to write that book in 1973. So if he'd have said, you know, my, my signature is $10, I would have been happy to pay it at that time, presuming I had $10. Eight, would you have paid $80? What's the line? That's it would depend. Much? I mean – yeah, well, what the is that book line? Was that is twenty. A... The well, book I mean, what... was twenty, so I wouldn't pay more for the signature than I paid for that back issue mm, comic. I see. But Interesting. Let's put it this way: if I could get Ashley Williams' autograph tomorrow, I would go triple digits. Nine hundred ninety-nine bucks. Priorities lie. It, but it really is a question. I mean, I, I've got Rodrigo's signature for free, but I would be willing to pay. I don't know, five bucks. Mm. Because oh, nice. you know. Yeah, he's my favorite. He's my favorite DM. I listen to him, you know, all the time. He does that that critical hit show. But again, it's it's that. It, it, first of all, it's going to be a personal question of what each person it, says. I mean, that's the thing is this is a philosophical argument, right. and it goes back to you know, kind of I, what I brought up earlier is why are we here? Why are we here at this convention? Why do people mm-hmm. go to conventions? Why do artists and writers and creators go to conventions? And not everybody is in the same page, understandably, because that's kind of the whole point of conventions is, is to go see this like big, varied group that is presenting and a big, varied group that is enjoying that. And so everybody's everybody's going to fall in a different place. And what seems like a huge ripoff to one person is completely understandable to another and morally incorrect to yet another person. I guess for me, it boils down to... Do I think you're 
charging a fair price. Like Lou Ferrigno charging 65 bucks or whatever for his autograph a few years ago. I was like, nah, uh, that's okay. I'll pass. If you want to give it to right. me for free, that's fine. Noel Neal, when I met her, you know, it was like, hey, take my picture for free. You know, I'll sign something for you for free. That was great. Um, and I was like, that's fantastic. But then when I get over to uh, Chewbacca and he was charging, what was it, like 65 bucks or something for a photo and, and $15 or $25 for signed merchandise. I was like, well, to me and my wife, that was worth it at the time. So mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. really depends on what is it worth to you uh, mm-hmm. and what are you willing to pay? And if you don't want to pay, you know, 50 bucks to somebody because they're asking for that for their signature, then, then don't pay it. Oh, hey, <laughs> listen, everybody, I got to give you guys a heads up that uh, we're moving servers once again here at Major Spoilers. Uh, I want to tell you that Rackspace is awesome. They are a fantastic company. They have been nothing but wonderful, wonderful, wonderful since day one. And uh, the thing that made the the migration to Rackspace um, go as smoothly as it did, I guess, a year ago was the fact that they put us on a rapid deployment uh, server, which meant that it was something that they could get out quickly, get everything transferred over, get the site up and running with as little downtime as possible, even though we were down for a long time. Um But the problem is you can't upgrade that server. And some of you may have noticed that throughout the day, sometimes the server just hangs up, the site hangs up. And it's because there's too many people trying to hit the site at the same time. Well, in order to add more RAM into the system, we need to move to a new server. So sometime within the next 10 days, you will notice maybe a day, maybe not even a day, I'm going to say maybe four hours of downtime on the site as the database is migrated to a new uh, server and the DNS stuff changes. So hopefully you won't notice hardly anything, but we'll be on a much better, faster uh, system. So if you're on the Major Spoilers website sometime in the next 10 days and you notice that it appears to be down, it may be because we're migrating. I'll also say that this time I'm actually getting somebody else to do all the migration, and they are a <laughs> wonderful company as well. I'll tell you more about them as soon as the migration is complete and I'm done with them. But they have been nothing but professional and super awesome since day one. They've dealt with companies like Warner Brothers and Legendary, and uh, the list goes on and on and on. And now they're doing some stuff for us as well. So cool. I just wanted to let you guys know about that. And if you want to know more about what's going on in comics and pop culture, head over to Majorspoilers.com where we've got all sorts of news, reviews, story tidbits, movie news, gossips. Well, we don't do gossips. Uh, we got sneak peeks. If you're looking to find out what's coming up next with Silver Surfer when he kicks off with his his number one issue, finally that guy's getting his own series. Uh, you can find out about that at Majorspoilers.com. He's been having a series for like a year. Yeah, uh, what, I, think he, I think he means recently. Oh. No, I he, thought, why, why is it uh, Silver Surfer number one then? Because everything's re- getting renumbered. <laughs> they reset the Marvel. <laughs> what? It seems like Marvel's doing number ones every couple of months. Um, but Marvel doesn't do reboots, guys. Let's just remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Marvel reboots <laughs> all the time. <sighs> anyway, let us do... You're exhausting me. Let us do some I, reviews. All right, let's. I'm exhausting you. Yes, uh, you. Hey, you know what comes out this week, and everybody needs to get their hands on it. It is Archie number three from Archie Comics. It's written by Mark Wade with art by Fiona Staples. This is her last uh, uh, art uh, issue that she's doing, because then we get, I think it's, uh, is it Annie Wu that comes in next? As the artist on issue four, but uh, uh, Annie, isn't Annie Wu the artist on Black Canary right now? Maybe, but I thought she was coming in to do uh, issue four of Archie. Doesn't matter right now because what we're talking about is Archie number three. Fantastic last issue we saw um, of Veronica Lodge show up in Riverdale, and Archie is smitten with her. And of course, uh, she shows up to school the first day, and Archie is just her little 
her little lap dog. She leads him around and makes him do all sorts of things. And of course, Jughead doesn't think that this is a good idea. Finally, he convinces Betty that it's not a good idea. And by the end of the issue, they're going to conspire to uh, keep Veronica away from Archie. <laughs> Best part of the issue, Veronica throwing up all over herself when she eats a uh, Riverdale High School sloppy joe. That's amazing. It's amazing, and especially with Fiona Staples' art, it's amazing. Mark Wade's writing continues to be stellar. Uh, the art, as I said, is fantastic. I can't wait to see where this goes next. This is a five slice of meatloaf out of five. Go pick up Archie's issues one, two, and three. Get them now before they're gone. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> Matthew, what do you have for us? I got a comic book. Okay. And it comes out today. All right. From the IDW Publishing. And I've really actually been enjoying this series. I think issue either six or seven just came out. But today in stores, you can purchase Gem and the Holograms Outrageous Annual Number One. Ah. I'm really surprised how much I enjoy this book. Um, and I probably shouldn't be. It's very well written. It's very well drawn. Mm -hmm. And it, it ties into a nostalgia that I'm not actually a part of. I don't have like the big uh, Gem and the Holograms flashbacks to my youth in the 80s. But I still really enjoy this book. And this takes place right after the very recent Battle of the Bands. The Holograms, Gem... Kimber, who I did have a crush on in high school, so I guess I did have some attachment. Shayna and Asia have all come home. And, of course, they're girls in their late teens and they're rock stars. And they've decided they're going to watch a movie, but they can't decide what movie they're going to watch. And they all fall asleep. And we get everyone's dream sequence. It's a really nice, very familiar framing sequence. But it's done in such a way that they know that I know that they know that I know that this is something that's familiar and they really do lampshade it. It's very well put together. Um, Jerrica, Jem has a dream, which is basically the movie Teen Wolf. Uh, you kind of have to see it to believe it. It's really fascinating. Uh, there's a, a Mad Max Fury Road parody uh, featuring Asia. There's also for Rodrigo, some Muppet babies, which is Perfect. interesting. Yes. But, of course, it's one of those things where it's just different enough that it's clearly parody. Mm -hmm. So at one point, she's fighting in, in the Thunderdome, but it's not the Thunderdome. It's actually the Thunder Rotunda. And in the Thunder Rotunda, two women will enter, one woman will exit. And she actually says to herself, that's not right. But there, there really is a lot, lot of that going through it. And throughout each story... We get insight into each hologram. We get insight into what it is that Synergy knows and doesn't know. And apparently Synergy, being an artificial intelligence, may know things that the girls don't know that she knows. Uh, for Steven, there's also some Star Wars parody, specifically Empire Strikes Back parody. Oh, all right. So, so you know it's good. It's a parody of the best of the films. Oh, yeah. Sure. But then you get to the end... And there's this wonderful segment. I don't know if you guys have been reading this book, but Kimber, who is the keyboardist for the holograms, has a total crush on Stormer from the Misfits, who is the evil band, who are their evil, evil archetypes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Kimber and Stormer kind of have a th plays into the issue. The issue ends with Kimber about to learn an important lesson and then going, yeah, I'm tired, I'm going to bed, and turning and walking away, which I... I really appreciate because, you know, that totally fits with the Kimber persona we've seen. This is a great book, guys. Uh, 
triple sized uh, double price, seven ninety nine. So it definitely is one of the the spendier annual books that we're seeing now. Which, you know, with a three ninety nine normal title, seven ninety nine for a triple size book. I think I, I think it works out. A little part of me just kind of goes, I remember when comics were about twenty nine. But that little part of me is slowly dying, and his memory is going because you know it's been thirty years since that happened. Four and a half slices of meatloaf for Gem and the Holograms. Outrageous annual number one. That's a really good book, guys. I want you to go check it out, read it. If you don't like it, that's fine. If you do like it, then you're awesome, and you can be my friend. Cool. Uh, just a clarification. Yes, Annie Wu is doing the art for Archie Comics number four. And then mm -hmm. uh, Veronica Fish is doing the uh, art for issues five and six. Cool, cool. So yeah, it's the, if you have seen the cover for the Annie Wu uh, Archie number four, it looks fantastic. So uh, go check that Woo. out. Uh, let's see, Ashley, what are mm -hmm. you? What are you reading this week? I am reading a little anthology comic that's really, 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 really independent called Witches, Dragons, Magic, and Cats. By Carrie Peach. Um, people might know her from her work on Adventure Time, Marceline Gone Adrift. Oh, yeah. I reviewed a couple of the early issues over at the site. Uh, Small Press Expo was not last weekend, but the weekend before. And she released a whole bunch of her indie zines and stuff that had been previously published through small publications in collections. And this is a collection of three stories about three ladies who are all witches. And they're not witches in your typical Halloween-y sense. They are in the sense of they're from the earth. They mend things. They make medicine. They have a lot of cats around. But more, more of like your, your shaman-type witch than your uh, flying monkey-type witch. Mm. And <laughs> these three different women who, judging by the way they are all designed, could or could not be from the same family. Because they'll have the same kind of hair, the same skin tone. They all undergo a different trial over the course of the book. And the first story is called Familiar, and it has to deal with the main character losing her familiar, who is a cat, and how she has to deal with that. And then the second one is called The Witch's Daughter, which is about um, a witch learning that her mother had cursed another family and how she's going to alleviate that. And the third one is called Mending, um, and it deals with familiars and learning how to use your powers again. And there are three very small stories about what are the most important trials that these women undergo. And I like the dichotomy that she's created by bringing these magical creatures, these magical ideals into this world. But everything that they deal with is about finding their inner strength and using that to imbue their magic and help the people around them and building a sense of community. The books are really, really beautiful. There's a lot of detail in the background, even though it is a very cartoony style. So like minimal detail on the faces, but when you look behind the characters to the shelves, there's all kinds of things on the shelves and they're all labeled and there's an animal peeking out from behind one and you can see the wind moving outside. It's very, very cool. And the stories are told more like a legend. So there's a lot of narration, like in older comics and a lot less dialogue. So they have this very whimsical sense to them. And I think they not only show that Carrie Peach is, is a really great just visual storyteller, but it speaks to what is cool about independent comics and not in the sense of image comics, but something that you've truly crafted by yourself that you've overseen the entire creation of you've packaged and you put out in the world that you can design three different stories that talk about your aesthetic, but you bought, you package up a little differently. So I really enjoyed this. Um, the only way to get it, if you don't see her at a con is to reach out to Carrie peach directly. Um, and this is called witches, 
dragons, magic, and cats. And I'm going to give it five out of five slices of meatloaf because I have a soft spot for independent comics. Awesome. Sounds really cool. Uh, it is so cool. I'll have to track that down and take a look at it. I'll send it to you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, now, Rodrigo. Yes, hello. I have, I have heard. I've seen the solicitations. I'm very interested in this dead vengeance number one where a dead PI solves his own murder. I'm interested That's in this. Right. And I'm hoping... I'm hoping that this is a book worth picking up. Uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, the book starts with a carnival sideshow where they just, you know, they have like a dead body uh, in some fluid and they're like, oh, come look at this dead body kind of stuff. Um, it's It all takes place in the 1940s and like the language definitely at the beginning of the book is really overt in that sense. Um, it's like somebody's like... Um, it's real, I tell you. My old man told me so. Applesauce, Ronnie, your old man's Daffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but within a few panels, the corpse comes back to life, and then he oh. makes his way out, and then we just follow him as he, like, slowly starts piecing his life together, or, or rather piecing his identity together because he doesn't remember anything. Um, we find out by the end of the story who he is and what he was doing to get him killed. And basically, um, by the end of the story, we know who he was. We know that his wife died and we know that sometime before his death, um, he was, you know, basically framed for it. We still, there's still a lot we don't know. Um, but we're just kind of slowly piecing all this stuff together. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It, it is, you know, just kind of a guy um, piecing together his own death. The, the problem is, is that it kind of puts it as like this investigation, but it kind of isn't. There's just like these like arbitrary snippets of memory that the character already has. Yeah. And then he goes and he talks to someone like he very quickly and really without trying too hard finds an old friend and then the old friend explains everything that's been happening. Um, so, you know, it's maybe from here on out, you know, maybe it turns out that the old friend was in on it or something like that. You know, like there might be some twists and turns upcoming, but there's not much investigating going on. Uh, I see. So let me ask, um, is this guy zombie or is he ghost? Uh, he's a, he's a zombie basically. Okay. He's a, he's a corpse. All right. He's um, the undead. Right. So far, he hasn't really displayed any sort of undeadness other than the fact that he used to be alive and then he wasn't for a while. Mm, okay. Um, you know, he, they don't, he doesn't like take a bullet and, and doesn't, and it totally wails right. on him and it doesn't hurt him. Right. And, you know, or anything like that. So that's, that's an interesting angle too. Nothing about that has been talked about or explained. Um, there is a mysterious woman that we see sort of in the corners of some panels, kind of uh, keeping an eye on him. So her role in this is also not explained yet. It's, you know, it, it, it's a first issue. There's a lot, a lot is explained and there's still a lot to explain. Um, again, uh, you know, basically what is that about it? Not, you know, being like a straight up mystery. It's not a bad thing. Right. This, uh, this issue just has a lot of exposition. Okay. Um, 
altogether, I will give it uh, three slices of meatloaf. Um, okay. It's interesting. The art isn't bad. I, I enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. It's an above average book, I'd say. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, Rodrigo and Ashley and Matthew and listeners. If you want to find more reviews, you need to point your browser to Majorspoilers.com. That's also where you're going to find the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Got a question for you guys. Which side are you on? Are you on the side of the Empire or are you on the side of the Rebel Alliance? Rodrigo? Um, I guess it really depends uh, when in the history of Star Wars we're talking about. If it's in the rise of the Empire, then yes, sir, Mr. Vader, I'm right behind you. If it's, <laughs> you know, at the tail end of that, then I'm like, yes, Mon Mothma, wherever you want me to point this orbital cannon at, I'm all for it. Okay. All right. Uh, Ashley? Well, I don't fancy myself enough to know that I to think that I would be a Jedi because um, I have a lot of feelings and I would be a terrible Jedi. So if I have to be your your kind of um, Han Solo analog, but like actually a good person, um, <laughs> you know, I think I'd probably come down on the side of the Rebel Alliance, but I don't know if I want to get that actively involved because I'm afraid of being shot. Ah, there you go. Whichever That's... side has the, has the cuter droids. Okay. That's the side I want to be on. That's the Rebel Alliance. No, no, honestly. it's the Empire. They've got that little black mouse one that runs down the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> But I think BB-8's a good guy, so yeah, well, yeah. or girl, yeah. we'll find out. He's the new Dark Lord of the Sith. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be I, funny? I, I hope so. <laughs> Matthew, what about you? Emperor BB-8. Dun, dun. Well, <laughs> I have a couple of beliefs. First of all, ancient weapons and hokey religions are no match for a good blaster at my side. But what it really comes down to is which side of any given conflict am I less likely to have the bejesus choked out of me by a lunatic telekinetic cyborg? And, you know, it's about 50-50, to be honest. I went with the Rebel Alliance because at least when that happens to a rebel, you have a chance to get away. I mean, all the guys on the Death Star had to sit there in their little coats and their little hats and be like, okay, he's coming. What do, what do we do? Just don't say anything. Okay, don't, oh. don't say anything stupid. I mean, you're right. I'm pretty sure Vader kills more Imperials than Rebels in the in the movies. <laughs> well, we it's, see him choke like three people, three of his own officers to death. That's, I mean, that's cold. For, for all you can say about the weird leadership structure of the Rebel Alliance, you know, a 17-year-old kid from Tatooine is suddenly a general. I'm really sort of fine with that. Can he telekinetically kill me from a distance? No, I'll mock him behind his back. Everything will be fine. I bet if he wanted to, he could. No, he can't. I guess, you know, it's really, it's a little bit more complex than just Jedi versus Darth Vader kind of thing. Because, Is it? well, I mean, when you watch shows like uh, Star Wars Rebels or you watch uh, the um, Clone Wars stuff that was on TV, that show really gets into the politics and really even episodes one, two, and three get into the politics of why people are splitting off from one another. And here's the empire trying to control trade routes and everything and trying to keep the economy of the, of the uh, galactic empire going strong. And here are these people that are like, no, we don't want your trade embargoes. We're going to break off from you. And then this, this whole thing of, well, we need to take control of you because you're breaking away from, you know, our, our trade uh, system. Uh, You really sometimes have to side with the empire trying to just keep the, the economy of the universe going. 
But then no, you got the you whole thing. Just... Then then you got the whole thing about a weapon of mass destruction and blowing up a planet with no warning. And eh, I kind of got to go with the alliance on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but it's a tough balance. It it can be. I mean, you know, it's you know, and it, I mean, you can find analogs to this even in our present day conversation and politics and everything. Um, but you Wait, know, there, which there are, presidential candidate can telekinetically strangle me from across the room? No, it's not Ted about it's not Cruz. about that. It's not about that. It's not. It's well. Didn't he step out already? He's, oh, no, man. Okay. I don't know, man. I've been traveling across. Oh, okay. <laughs> this great world, politicking, shaking hands, kissing babies, um, or kissing hands, shaking babies. Uh, <laughs> That's not funny. No. Okay. <laughs> Why You're am I laughing? laughing? Hey, listen. I'm a terrible person. I think most of us said Rebel Alliance, but there are people that think that the Empire is the uh, is the side to be on. And and Matthew, what is the uh, what is the poll of the week sit at right now? Right now, the poll of the week sits at a whopping. Oh darn! That window closed. Let me go back and push this button and click this thing. Do 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 do. Hey, I'm vamping. Do 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 do. This is the song that I sing when I vamp. Okay, 58 people have voted right now. 71% leaning towards the Rebel Alliance. 29%, which is more than I thought. Three yeah, out I of ten so people saying the Empire. Really, it's one of those things where even if you understand what the Empire stood and or stands for, they're set up as the bad guys from the oh, first sure, scene sure. of the first movie. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, it's and the really whole hard for power people. structure change and kicking the ETs out of the uh, out of the Senate and putting uh, okay that yeah. no, we had a big conversation about this. Look, Brinning Brinning in the comment section says, "Change from the inside. The system is more my style than acts of terrorism." So I side with the Empire. He says, uh, George W. says, "If we're talking about the government and politics, I have to side with the rebels over the uh, the super uh, what is it, whatever they are, the Jesus. human power of the Empire." That being said, I think the Sith have a better view of the Force. And the only time we ever see the Jedi really uh, beat a Sith in the movies is when they give in to their passion and emotion. Rob says, stylish uniforms, sleek and horribly be weapon ships and a chance to hang out with Darth Vader. Why wouldn't I want to join the Empire? Uh, let's see. Cody says the Empire has a better benefits package than the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, but you'd need it. <laughs> yes, you would. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, Iron Man Zero says the Empire is at the core of evil and I don't like evil. And there, of course, people go on a little bit longer than just those short comments. You can read those comments and add your own to the conversation over at Majorspoilers.com. There's a link there in your show notes. Ooh, you got to take a deep breath there. Oh, you know what you could do while you're over at Majorspoilers.com, Matthew? What's that? You could click on that Amazon link. You can. And this is the best part. If you do that, Stephen, and you buy stuff through your Amazon link like you were going to anyway, you're going to go buy your diaper. I was going to anyway. I was going to buy diapers. diapers. I was going to buy sure some, are. some holiday presents for some of my favorite podcasters. Dude, you've been, mm-hmm. you've been wearing diapers since we were 27. It's okay. Don't be ashamed. But, yeah, everything that you buy at that Amazon link, if you click from the major spoilers website, it's either on the right or on the bottom, depending on whether your site is mobile or not. Yep. I discovered this. Uh-huh, very important. A little something comes back this way. doesn't cost you any more, but Amazon says, hey, major spoilers, thanks for throwing people at us. We're, yep. like, a, we're like a funnel of people, a people funnel. We're and like at a trebuchet. That point, or a trebuchet, yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a trebuchet of people. That's messy. Here's something but. you can find it over at Amazon. This is really cool. Uh, I've been okay. talking about these Roy Story Cubes for a couple of weeks now. These are f- so much fun. Lots of fun. And I went over to the Roy Story Cube website the other night. And guess what the new Story Cubes are? 
Star Wars. No, although it wouldn't surprise me if those were coming out. Batman Story Cubes. They are available now on Amazon, $11.99. You buy those, you will have endless amounts of story time fun, and a little bit comes back our way at Major Spoilers. Cube 1 says darkness, Cube 2 says Oh, no, they have like, it's really cool because they've got like the, uh, all the villains on them, and they've got little uh, clues and stuff on them. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Can't wait for mine to get here next week. Uh, let's see. Also sponsoring the show this week, tweakedaudio.com. Ashley, do you have a pair of tweaked audio headphones? I don't cause I don't wear earbuds. Oh, why not? Cause I don't want to lose my hearing when I'm 40. Oh, you're not going to lose. Look, I'm 40 something and I, my hearing hasn't been lost. <laughs> but have and you been wearing earbuds since you were a child? <laughs> well, I've probably been wearing them since I was about your age. So. And don't ask him about his vision, by the way. Oh no, that's something <laughs> this, totally by the else way, altogether. This, by the way, is the best promo for our <laughs> earbud selling sponsor. We are going to get Ashley a pair of these tweaked audio earbuds because she's going to love them. They come now, in so many audio, different styles, so many different audio colors. Actually, sells uh, can. Oh yeah, they do sell over the ear ones. Yes, over the oh, ear. Oh, I have, I have no excuse. I'm a terrible contributor to this advert. No, but we'll get you something. Here's the best thing, Ashley. If you go over to Tweaked Audio right now, whether you're getting the earbuds or the -the over-the-ear headphones, enter the checkout code MAJOR when you check out, and Uh you will get 33% off the price. What? That is a deal. Thanks to our friends at TweakedAudio.com. Pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, Something – I added something here to the notes really quick because this happened today, and I don't know quite how to deal with it. Because it it goes into that realm of um, fake fan person or real mm. fan person, right? And that some people can take this attitude with. So um, I was wearing my Ant-Man t-shirt the other day. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the water softener guy had to come over and service the, the water softener. And he comes in and he sees my shirt and he goes, oh, man, you like Ant-Man? Oh, man, I am a huge comic book fan. And as he started talking a little bit. You know, I don't usually, when people say those things, I don't automatically fire back with, oh, yeah, well, how many times did uh, Scott Lang appear in the such and such country? You know, I, I don't do those kinds of things, but I also don't volunteer and say, hey, well, that's great because I've got a website that you should totally check out. Da, 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 da. Um, because it became clear as he was talking is that he was more a fan of comic book movies, of superhero movies as a genre. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And how do you how do you how do you guys react as as being comic book fans, aficionados, comic book writers? How do you react when you come across people who are um, fans of the superhero j- movie genre and probably don't know very much about the comic book side? You know, the guy and I talked a lot about the the movies and what we liked about them and those kinds of things. But um, you know, it's not like I called them out and said, oh, "You know nothing about comic books or." superheroes you know nothing uh water softener snow yes yeah. <laughs> well i i feel like <laughs> it's it's a really difficult question to answer because here is the honest truth and this is going to sound incredibly douchey and i apologize for that in advance when it comes to a question of levels of knowledge in comics i can be in the presence of comic fans and professionals and people who work in comic stores and still have that little voice in my head go, you know nothing about the comics because totally you didn't read this one half-issue story in New Mutants back in 1986. So I try to avoid listening to that voice in my head as much as possible because it's a really, really terrible urge. And 
when someone says to me, hey, I love comic books, so yeah, what do you like? Linda Carter, Wonder Woman from 1977. That's the point where I try to take an advantage and go, yeah, that was pretty awesome. You know how it went from 1940 to 1977? That's because in the comics, Wonder Woman started back here. I, tr- I try to play into things that yeah. they do know. I, I just don't readily volunteer my nerdism, I guess. Is, is what I'm getting at. For me, when I, well, when I have these other people, it's like I don't just go, oh, yeah, man, that was so totally cool. And then this happened. And then this. I don't I don't do that because then I, I don't do it because I'm afraid that I would unintentionally be belittling them with my love of the subject matter. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can. I can because I don't. I mean, I don't go in and the guy comes in and I, off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess I don't want to. Yeah, I guess that's it. And I don't know how to deal with those kinds of things. Ashley, do you have some thoughts? Well, for the most part, especially in, when I was working in comic book stores, I was often on the receiving end of, uh, yo, so do you actually like comic books? You read anything in here or they just hire you because you're a cute girl? <laughs> um, so I spent a lot of time defending myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my knowledge from people who really didn't have any interest in the subject matter. They just felt like they needed to prove how cool they were. Right. Um but also because, like, the way that I came to comics was mostly from TV shows. Mm-hmm. And I think that everyone's experience and, and how they get to comics is valid. And to be perfectly honest, the people who are going and just watching the movies are contributing money to the right people that's letting right. us keep having the comics. Right. So mm. yeah, it's and tough. That's, but and I also, like, I avoid talking about certain movies with people who I don't know as well, because I don't want to talk Man of Steel with everybody out there. Right, right. You know? <laughs> no, and so, so, yeah, maybe, I mean, we're kind of in that same boat as, you know, how how open do you get about this? And when I when I, when I I knew as he started talking that, oh, he's just talking about the movies, I was like, okay, this subject is just going to be, let's keep it in the movie area and let's talk yeah. about the movies and how great they were and how our kids love the movies and enjoy these kinds of things and what did you like and what didn't you like without going into... Well, you know, this was based on a comic book or, you know, anything like that. And mm. I guess, it's, as you said, it's I don't want to show off, but I don't want to also embarrass the person. It's kind of like if if he came in and I started talking about water softeners to him and how much I love water softeners. And he'd probably be going, you're just a dumbass, but I'll humor you. There's no <laughs> yeah. right or wrong way to be a fan. And there's no incomplete. No, I know. I know. You know, if, if somebody only loves even Marvel movies. That's perfectly legit. You are mm-hmm. a fan of those characters. I mean, I get frustrated when people are like, I love comics, man. I'm like, yeah, what do you read? Green Lantern. <laughs> George is the most awesome. You have no idea how many times that is the literal discussion we had in the store. That is, was I, that is I, true I, scientific fact. Actually, the answer is usually Batman. <laughs> yeah, I love comics. What do you read? Just this one thing. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. That's legit. Let's talk about that thing that you love. But yeah. also... The part of me that says, I love comics, is the part of me that says, have, have you read any of the uh, Smurf stuff in the original French? You know, ha- have you looked at the Tintin comics? Have you thought about some of these old books that are floating around that are here in this dollar bin that you've never looked at with characters who may not be Green Lantern or Batman or Deadpool? And usually the answer is maybe which ones are cool, but it's all about how you address and how you approach the question. When I worked in the the call center, there was always comic paraphernalia at my desk. There was a, a, my bouncing boy action figure is always at my desk. And 
people would come to me and ask me about comics. And after a while, what it came down to was the five or six hardcore guys who were like, nobody here knows anything about comics would come up and play Stump the Fat Man. And it is difficult. I won't say they never did because obviously I even I don't know everything. But there are times when that's fun too because they were kind of challenged by what I did and didn't know. So they would come mm-hmm. to me and go, well, what about this? And I'm like, dude, New Mutants 98. I bought it off the stands for a dollar and I sold it for a nickel. I, You know, I don't care if someone is a fan of – comics because they cosplay and that's the extent of their knowledge of that or if they just love the movies uh or if they just read batman or green lantern i'm totally cool with all of that because i any kind of support supports the genre Um, but i just don't know how to sometimes deal with these people without again making them feel like i don't know embarrassed rodrigo how how do what are some ways that we can deal with with fans Regardless of their level of, of fanness. Well, I think I, I think there does have to be a little bit of a dance at first when somebody, you know, looks at something you're wearing and goes, Hey, I love that and you're like, Which that is it that mm-hmm. you love, mm-hmm. in fact? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then oh. once you ascertain that, then you can move on to the next thing. For example, um, Last time, not last time, but On a critical few hit. weeks oh, ago. Oh, critical yes. hit. Oh, there you go. I, long, I got you guys trained. Um, <laughs> critical hit, don't hit me. Um, so um, I was at Subway and I was wearing a Flash shirt and yeah. somebody was like, oh my God, the Flash. I love the Flash. And I'm like, I love the Flash too. And they're like, I'm so excited for the season premiere. And I'm like, oh, you love that Flash. I haven't I haven't seen a single episode. I haven't seen a single episode of the CW Flash. And, it, you know, I don't have anything against it. I just haven't seen a single episode of the CW Flash. Yeah. So I'm like, we can't have a conversation about it because it's going to be in two separate languages. So it's yeah. like, I was like, yeah, it looks exciting. I grabbed my sandwich and left. <laughs> for me, I ended up saying, oh, yeah, you know, we, we had our conversation and everything. And I was like, well, let me let you go to get to work. And, of course, he showed up two hours earlier than he was supposed to. And I just got done with my walk. So I'm, like, dripping with sweat, drenched in sweat, answering the door. And so, you know, here's this sweaty fat guy wanting to talk comics with him. And uh, I just went off to the corner and sat until he was done. So that's the end of that story. You know, the thing about it is, Stephen, regardless of your level of fan-ishness, um, and you're never going to hear me uh, do this very often because I, I'm quoting a specific chunk. Somebody once said to me in college, don't hide your light under a bushel. And I don't know what that meant, but here's what I think it is. You don't have to be ashamed of what you don't know. You don't have to be ashamed of what you do know. There Again, there is no wrong way to love the things that we all love, as long as we're respectful about it. Yes. As long as we're not being douchey McDoucherton guy. And again, you know, I, I think of, of the four of us, I've probably done it the most, and I'm a little bit ashamed about that. But it's also something that being aware of it, being aware that – not everybody knows the things that I know. Not everybody can tell you the members of the Fem Force and the Joining Order. Not everybody needs to. There is nothing that says that that makes me a better fan or a better person or, you know, a better looking, although I am, you know, pretty awesome. Pretty hot for a fat guy is what I'm saying. But I, <laughs> I think when you really break it down, the worry of am I too much of a geek 
is actually almost admirable because you're trying not to be the guy who says, you clearly don't know anything about the issues of Radioactive Man that came out later. And that can be a positive impulse. Uh, maybe not necessarily every time it happens, you're going you're to say, okay, well, I got to go now. But that thought process of let's not try and shame somebody or let's not be a jerk to somebody because he likes the movie version and I right, read right. the comics. You know? No, I think that – but I think that that's kind of the, the best message right there is everybody can be fans. We can all enjoy this to our own level and extent and we should embrace everybody and anybody who is into this without trying to shame them or put them down or anything like that. I mean if yeah. you want to have a conversation with someone, you just have to find that common ground, right? Right. And you have to be honest about when you step out of it. Like if somebody is like, yeah, it's like in the 1945 version. It's like, well, I've never seen that, you know, oh, and j just use the phrase that man is being in trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then then you'll know. That's I, was thinking, I was thinking about that man the other day. <laughs> he was, yeah. in fact, being in trouble. Yes, it served him served him right. Exactly what happened to him. <laughs> Stupid man. Yes. Uh, so I've got a couple of uh, comments here from from some listeners I thought we'd read just before we got out of here. I don't know if there's anything in depth to this as much as uh, signing autographs and uh, talking about our level of fandom. But uh, hey, guys, I was listening to the last episode of this a while ago. Made me think of the discussion a friend and I've been having since Rogue One will be a heist spy movie. I was going to say that they should just get the cast of Ocean's Eleven for it. When you're talking about what do you think of that about that? Anyone? Well, <laughs> well, not all of them are alive anymore. True. Right. Yeah. Like, have we lost two of them or three? Uh, I think two. Just two. Is Carl Reiner still alive? I don't know about Carl Reiner. That was the one that I thought had passed. But Bernie, I know Bernie Mac oh, Bernie passed Mac. and I know uh -huh. Elliot Gould passed. Oh, did he? I think Elliot Gould no, passed. No, I don't think so. Actually, Carl Reiner died in uh, – no, Carl Reiner is still alive. And Elliot Gould, I'm $10 since oh, no, he's, still he's, he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. He's 77. Okay, good. So Bernie Mac. Just Bernie Mac then. Yes. Maybe. But even so, you know, those guys, um, and this is actually kind of admirable, said after Bernie died that there would be no more Oceans movies without them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that may hold true to, you know, similar collaborations with the same team. But I think it would be interesting. I don't know that it would work in a Star Wars sort of oeuvre. How, how about this suggestion work. then for the Han Solo solo film? What if it was the Kessel Run, but it was kind of along the lines of Cannonball Run or Smokey <laughs> and the Bandit, where Smokey Han Solo Bandit, has to get yeah. those those spices I, uh, across the Georgia state line in yeah. time for the wedding? Yes, and great. then they. Because the spice instead of resurrecting Grand Moff Tarkin, you bring back Jerry Reed to play Chewbacca. Actually, Jerry Reed would be a pretty good uh, <laughs> Empire uh, uh, general Jerry. or something. <laughs> Grand Moff Snowman. Yes. <laughs> Actually, that, you know, of, Darth Vader. Let's introduce uh, him of to those the of those two suggestions. I like the Smokey and the Bandit uh, or Cannonball Run, Han Solo, Kessel Run origin story. I mean, yeah, you don't want to turn actually. it into a comedy, but I mean, the idea is there. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what the Kessel Run is necessarily. Right. Uh, you know, um, 
uh, extra uh, expanded universe stuff aside. So, uh, which is now null anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, There were three different versions, by the way. Right. So, uh, that's actually, that sounds to me like a great idea. I was concerned that, you know, in that Han Solo thing, they were going to explain to you everything. Everything that he ever says in the the movies, you know, Kessel Run, explain. This thing, explain. That thing that he was holding, like, that thing that he was holding for three seconds, explain. But... If they that turn the Kessel run with Lando explained. Yeah. And we we see, you know, ten crazy bounty hunter types. Yes. Like basically ten like ten ships, each with our, its own weird team of bounty hunter types. That would be excellent. That would actually be and a one lot of them fun. is played by Tony Danza with a space chimp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, and we put a giant elephant in somebody's. There you go. Eastbound oh, yeah. down, except there's no directions in space. You could go up, down, left, right. We're maybe, on a 360-degree sort of thing. Dear, dear Stephen and the Major Spoilers crew, I want to preface this by saying thank you so much for all that you do. As I look back on the last year of my life, I think I'm going to cry, so be careful in case somebody has to pick up from this. There are a few moments that I could say have brought me joy. I've come out of a very deep depression in my life. I started this year in a terrible job who greatly took advantage of me. My family life was at its worst, and I had literally almost no one I could call a friend. In June, I became engaged to the most beautiful and kind woman in the world. July brought me the closest to my family that I've ever been. In August, I accepted a position as systems administrator at a nationwide corporation. Now in September, I have so many things to look forward to and many obstacles still to overcome. However, I feel like I have a new outlook on life and my enjoyment I can find it in every day. I want to tell you that Major Spoilers has been a major, no pen intended, part of that. I've listened to Critical Hit for a while, but recently was turned on to the Major Spoilers podcast, Zach on Film, Top 5, and Munchkinland. Every day at work, my ears are filled with you guys having fun, and I love it. I guess I just want to say, uh, I just want you to know that you are making a difference. Please don't ever forget that. I can't thank you enough or show my appreciation to its fullest. Here come the tears. Tears. Here come the waterworks. (laughs) But please know that you, Steven Rodrigo, Matthew, Zach, Rob, Brian, Ashley, you guys mean so much to me. You played a major part in my success by just being there week after week consistently when not many others have. Thank you again for everything that you do. Well, thank you. That's awesome. That's so I, I, nice. I love it when you hear <laughs> stuff like that. You know, it, when, when you're going through life on this thing, Rodrigo always likes to say, why are we here? And not just in context of conversations where it makes sense. He says it in cars when we're going. I, I do. I just wake <laughs> up. I fall asleep and I wake up. And I'm like, yeah. He said it to me. <laughs> We, we were in a Burger King in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and I said, I think we're here to eat. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I think I had a small seizure. But <laughs> I just love hearing from people who listen to the things that we do and find positive things and find growth out of it. Because basically, and I'm speaking only for myself here, we're really just a bunch of schmucks. Um, so, yeah, thank you. I just, I guess for me, and it, it really means a lot to me because there are days when I just sit here in front of this computer and I'm just it like, curse. well, I do that. And it's because it's like, what is going on? What am I doing? Am I doing this? Does it even right. matter to people? And then when I get comments like this, it uh, yeah. means a lot. That, that, you know, what are we doing with our lives, Jim, kind of Dr. McCoy moment. And you get a positive answer out of it. Oh, That's sure. Like just stuff. try to squeeze a Red Shirt Diaries plug into this nice, m- nice plug, moment plug, that plug, we're plug. having. <laughs> Ashley, please tell us about the Red Shirt Diaries. Watch and share, watch and share, watch and share. Uh, we just dropped our <laughs> third episode on Monday. Um, 
which is always in the past. <laughs> Hello, future right. people. No matter when you're listening to this, it will always be in the past. Um, <laughs> we're starting to build up some of the world, which is exciting. Um, yes. And you get to meet members of Ensign Williams' family. And Scott Johnson makes a guest voice appearance. And uh, Daryl Skeels has a story credit. I thought that I thought this week's episode was really funny. I thought you were great. Uh, the person who plays your sister is awesome. We used to work together, and everyone thought we were really sisters. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I gotta say, Jason as the uh, as the mechanic guy, whatever his title was in the show, just wonderful. F- Everybody fix it does guy. A, yes, the fix it guy. <laughs> Everybody on that show just does such a wonderful, wonderful job. And everybody should go check it out. It's the redshirtdiaries.com. You can also find it on YouTube under uh, Jason's uh, channel, Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. Also, be sure to uh, check out Ashley's uh, other podcast that she does called Geek History Lesson with Jason. Fantastic yes. podcast there. If you're looking you can find for, it on the Major Spoilers website. You definitely can each and every week and in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network Master Feed. So if you're wanting to get all of the shows we produce, and we do produce a lot, just subscribe to that master network uh, or the podcast network master feed and you will get it all there. <laughs> master uh, network theme song. Of course, you can find Rodrigo all over the place, Matthew all over the place, me all over the place. And we True. hope to find you all over Majorspoilers.com next time um, or even this time. Head over there. Use the podcast posting page. Share your thoughts about this episode, what you like, what you don't like. What are you looking forward to this week? If you haven't signed up to our email list, do that so that I can send you little things every so often. If you're not a major spoilers VIP, help us out, become a VIP, um, all these things and a whole lot more part of the major spoilers experience, because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you again next week. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Star Raven, it's like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine bee in the Middle East. With a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.